I V M. The Inheritors Podcast Series by Bloomberg Quint. Welcome to The Inheritors by Bloomberg Quint, a podcast series. I am Sonu Bhasin. Today we have with us Atul Nishar, and we are going to talk about can a family office be run like an entrepreneurial venture? Atul Nishar is the founder and chairman of Hexaware Technologies, which today has a market cap of two billion dollars. Atul is one of the pioneers in the IT industry, and he had set up Aptech Computers in the mid 80s. Today, he is the president of the Mumbai chapter of TIE. the indus entrepreneurs and he continues to be part of the executive council of nascom which is the national association of software and service companies uh, welcome atul it's a pleasure to have you with us and i'm looking forward to our conversation thank you sonu so the topic today that we are talking is actually very interesting and i don't know how many people really know what a family office is so before we go into can it be run like an entrepreneurial venture would you like to just share with our listeners what really is a family office see family office is um, nothing but an but investing in an organized professional manner with uh, clear objectives set in advance with the clarity as to what one wants to achieve out of that each year in terms of liquidity in terms of rate of return so it's just a professional way of running your business of investing that's family office and therefore you can run it like an entrepreneurial venture i believe uh, one should run only as an entrepreneurial venture like i have my family office we call atul nishar family office and uh, i got funds out of sale of my stake in hexaware and whatever earlier savings were there and put as a corpus in the family office hired a team of professionals kept certain set objectives and also decided on what type of goals we had in terms of liquidity in terms of return and then started running that uh, just as any other business venture so if it is treated as a side activity that well i am running my business and this can go on i don't think it will achieve a good result out of that yeah and you know we've been talking and uh, you did say that you're seeing a rise in entrepreneurship <clears throat> in india and you see that a lot of youngsters today are not afraid to take risks uh how can you talk to us a little more about that please yeah like see from our family office we invest in uh, uh listed equity debt instruments is also startups so that was my exposure to startup now recently i have taken over as the president of tai and the objective is to promote startups and create the right ecosystem for entrepreneurs to succeed particularly the new ones the new generation so with that i have been exposed to this whole uh, startup community and i have today come to a belief that india is going through 
a wave of entrepreneurship. I think we are we are in the beginning curve of a, a wave, which is probably not recognized or understood. And if this wave is encouraged, given the right motivation and encouragement, which is happening from investors, from government, from families, uh, which is all going well from the educational institutes. And at this rate, India has a very bright future using these young talent who are coming up with disruptive technologies, new models of doing business, new way of building value. And this is a very interesting space to be in. Yeah. And when I see youngsters around me, one thing that strikes me is that they're not afraid of failing. They are not afraid of saying, I tried to do this, but it did not succeed. When I was growing up, you know, failing was a social taboo. You could not fail in India. So is the risk of failing having been taken away, uh, does it aid in entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think this is a very important point. Uh, so no, even when I was studying, uh, failure, fail nahi ho sakte and even in work business people are afraid of starting business because you may not succeed so it's safer to do a job yeah, it's a risk it's yeah. a risk i mean there's so, no guarantee yeah risk if you succeed fine but fine. but you can fail also there's no guarantee so there was a taboo a stigma attached to failure if you don't succeed in business then you're not easily forgiven everyone would talk about you life laugh at you bankers will think you've taken out money so there is a stigma attached in every way in the society i think that continued for a long time that was not the case in the united states even our own indians who went to the u.s succeeded very well because there there was no such huge fear of failure and they succeeded Silicon Valley, one third of the entrepreneurs are Indians. Right. They built Silicon Valley. So that is changing in India now. In recent years, we find that fear is going away. And this also thanks to the investing community, venture capital funds, PE funds, they're willing to back entrepreneurs, even if they may not have succeeded in the previous venture. In fact, it's a premium that look, I started a venture. It didn't do well. I made these mistakes, but now I'm wiser. Now I'm approaching this second venture in a much better manner and using better technology, better team, more focused. And I'll not repeat the mistakes I made and that entrepreneur will find investors and backing. Yeah. And you say that's the, uh, the investor community is actually helping the startups. Uh, would it, would, would I be correct in saying that successful entrepreneurs like yourselves who have unlocked part of the value of the business uh, are actually helping the process of entrepreneurship by allowing startups and people who want to take that risk have money? Yes. So there are when a new venture is started, there are several stages of funding. 
The first stage is angel funding. So in angel funding, lot of angels that have uh, come up, the angel networks have come up. They could be uh, successful entrepreneurs. They could even be executives, those who are doing business and who support by putting each of them may put in 5 lakh, 10 lakh, 15 lakh and normal thumb rule is in a angel round you raise 3 to 5 crore. The next round comes is when a lot of family offices come in and they invest. And uh, 2, 3, 4 family offices come in, they invest, they support. This is a very important phase because the venture is not yet ready to go to a VC fund. And they need support of entrepreneurial people, families who will understand the difficulties of building a business and also give them help in terms of network apart from capital advice. Right. So that that family office have filled in a very useful, important gap and playing a very important role. My own family office also, we invest in startups at that uh, uh, phase. Yeah. You can call series A or whatever. And Those then are, the yeah. next series comes is VC fund and then the P fund. And All the others. The way that I look at startups, the way that I look at startups uh, is that today's startups are tomorrow's family businesses because the successful ones will grow. They will have uh, more investors coming in, but the promoter actually stays on and grows the business. Knowing the history of family businesses across the world and knowing that 70% of them don't really last beyond one generation, what are some of the things that the new startups can actually keep in mind as they grow so that they build long, sustainable, long, long you know, a business that has longevity? Yeah, so uh, today, of course, the whole uh, startup community that is there uh, does keep in mind a possible exit option from day one that is the venture such that investors will ultimately get exit. And till now the exit used to be only by way of uh, uh, sale. I mean, some, uh, some other company coming in and buying out uh, this new venture. But now uh, there is a... Uh, 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 new thinking in uh, the regulators, SEBI, stock exchanges, and we are expecting a new guideline. Uh, Time Mumbai has been engaged with uh, regulators, and we are expecting a new guideline which would make IPO much easier for a startup. And the criteria would are likely to be uh, diluted in terms of what was expected. Yeah, this so that actually... would be one more avenue of exit. In that sense. But promoter may continue. Investors get exit. And promoter will continue and run run the company. I think that is going to be a big driver uh, for even more startups. Because if the rules of the games change a bit to accommodate the new reality, which is the startup reality, um, uh, you know, people will be able to find that funding from the public, which otherwise is not able to. Uh, will be easier. But when we talk of entrepreneurship, there's always this word that comes to our mind, which is called Jugad. India is the Jugad capital yeah. of the world. Do you personally see Jugad as a 
beneficiary to entrepreneurship or do you see it as a constraint? I think this is a big plus point of Indians. Indians are known for taking risk. Jugaad is nothing but willingness to take risk. Willingness to look at a solution that maybe nobody else thought of? Yeah, yes, yes. That is out of box thinking, a whole new way of approaching a subject, but also thinking big. Willingness to stick one's neck out and maybe even lose something and uh, do what many have not done. So, what has happened in the Western countries with high standard of living, with so much education, people tend to get very cautious and calculate, plan in a very organized manner. Indians don't plan so much and they're willing to just go ahead yeah. and say, yeah. okay, we will see what comes way. That's very typical. You know, we'll handle, we'll manage. Now everything can't be planned. (laughs) So, Hmm. but that's very important in starting. You know, you can't have all answers when Hmm. you start. Even if you have, you'll come across new issues. So the willingness to play that game, I mean, look at Reliance Geo. I mean, if you really had calculated too much before you make that a few lakh crore investment, one would not want to. But that has worked. I mean, I would put it in that Jugaad category that we are willing to take that mega risk. So, Indians can do it. I don't think it's so much done in West. Yeah, so the the cut and dyed and the structured approach. Right. Which is... uh, uh, which may may not lead to a new way of doing business. Is this something in your experience, is this something that is best uh, manifested in businesses that are, that have the flexibility, uh, that are driven by uh, family business owners, by promoters who themselves are have the ability to take this? Because sometimes what happens is that when you see multinationals and You know, as professionals, you know a lot of people who work in multinationals. They're bound by their structure. They're bound by their bureaucracy. Does that come in the way of the willingness to do something different? And do family businesses then really have an advantage that nobody else is talking about? See, Indians um, are great learners. They're willing to learn. I would say the what Socrates said that one thing I know is that I know nothing. It very much I feel applies to Indians that Indians are willing to accept. But well, Indi- I don't know, and I'm willing to learn. No, no, but Indians are not willing to accept. I don't know. <laughs> we know everything. We know. No, I'm talking about <laughs> while one is running a family office, one is right. running an entrepreneurial venture, new thing, particularly when starting new a new venture. You cannot start with the belief that you know. Then where? how are you going to disrupt? The existing business people can have that belief that I know everything because they've been running the business successfully for decades. Now you are starting a new business. You want to disrupt that and succeed. Now if you start with the belief that I know everything, you are not going to succeed. Then it's gone. 
you will have to start as a learner and say look i can think of this way of doing makes sense to me can it do be done like that so family offices today to hmm. respond to your question are willing to support this family offices are willing to support for their own children or for external entrepreneurs who start this yeah so family offices one one way of looking at a family offices as a consolidator of a variety of interests that the family has in your experience and in your opinion do you also see family offices or the family office really as a way to perpetuate succession yeah. to facilitate succession so family office would have various investments family businesses is a one of the many investments that family office will look at so if in my family office we have listed equity we have debt instruments we have startup investments these are the different categories is also a category like investment in family owned businesses which are run by say my wife or my daughters so these are family owned businesses but they are also investments and then one looks at as a whole picture as to where the money is going so family run business is one of the investing activity for the family office if it is run professionally and then within that family office uh, business you have to run it professionally and that should keep sustaining so there of course the right management team etc for long term planning but as a family office succession planning is very important that how my children also get involved in this and later on whether through a trust structure or whatever structure how it will seamlessly pass on to them uh, the whole uh, activity of running family office i would say family office is an umbrella family run business is just one just part one part or, under or. that umbrella sachin tendulkar virat kohli don bradman and now cyrus brocha okay probably not in the right company i mean don bradman is australian but it's called cyrus says a wonderful show about everything find the show on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts Is there really a right time for a promoter to say that now I know that the time is right for me to at least start thinking of a family office? Does it actually free up his mind to do something different or does it actually take up more of his time? I think it's very important to start family office at the earliest because you're just giving a professional approach to your investing activity or the whole financial affair of the family so earlier it is done the better because then you're looking at everything in a better more long term manner if you have sold any of your businesses and if you got liquidity then it's a immediate need to have a professional setup but even before that for families who have been get, getting interest income dividend income who have spare money coming in every year it will make sense to have a family office early enough 
most people, most family business owners uh, look at their business as a source of their investment as well. Uh, you know, anytime you speak to them, they say, you know, there is no instrument, no capital market instrument that can give us a better return than our own business because we know the business, we know the risk associated with it. You just said something that as and when somebody sells off a business, there is, you know, there's a huge chunk of money that comes in and that prompts somebody to put away money and look at it as a family office. What, how can a good how can a sensible promoter actually inculcate the habit of working towards a family office, which is also then a diversification of the risk? Yes, very much. In fact, family office can be created apart from the uh, savings which have already been generated, not necessarily out of exit of a business, could have been even part exit, could have been sale of part equity, also generate liquidity and create that de-risking kind of environment for the family and have that uh, uh, fund, fund which you are investing. If I'm having 90% of my capital in one software company, it will make sense to reduce that and then invest in 10 other software companies if I'm so keen on only software or maybe pharma and consumer and other and de-risk that and inculcate that in the whole family. So I think Whichever way you look at it, it will make sense to uh, have the family office set up at an early date. I agree with you that lot of uh, business families, they focus only on their main business and are not so bothered about uh, investing or family office activity. But in that case, I would say, of course, I'm not talking about big business families, they're above everything. But uh, if you look at any other normal businessman, and if he doesn't pay attention on investing, then as Warren Buffet said, if you don't make your money work while you, while you sleep, you'll keep working okay. till you die. <laughs> till you die. Yeah. So I think it's very yeah. important that you invest wisely, smartly, so that the pressure on you to earn out of main business for family reasons, reduces. reduces. But uh, there's a flip side to it. That the family office starts doing well because it's being run like an entrepreneurial venture. Uh, the next gen is comfortable because they're not dependent only on the family business. Uh, the family office actually gives them uh, uh, access to income, which is diversified risk, where the risk is diversified. Would the family office then in some sense actually not encourage an entrepreneurship in the next generations? And would it actually then harm the next generation? I think Should there be some bit of hunger left in them? I think uh, while running family office, if the children of the business uh, businessmen are encouraged to look at startups for investing, a lot of learning. The ideas that they come up with, the spirit with which they come, the energy they bring, and the whole disruptive business models they come up with, I think it will be good to engage with them, invest with them, partner with them, 
and if the children of business families also work with them it will be a win win for both why does it have to be that the children have to join only the same traditional family business because it's what the patriarch wants <laughs> the patriarch wants the my son or yeah it's usually the son not the daughter uh, that my son come and join my business and take this business forward and i agree with you that it is not really necessary for the next gen to come back and join the family business but would the family office actually make it easier for these decisions to be taken i would say that if uh, children are not keen on joining uh, the patriarch is uh, tired running that business the purpose of the business is to build value for customers for employees and for stakeholders stakeholders could be just family or it could be public but if that value addition stops it will make and children are not interested in carrying on that value addition game i think it will make sense for a promoter to exit allow somebody as to run it and take it forward and take that money that's what i did in aptech i did in hexaware when i thought there was no point my carrying on with the same thing i want to do something different and children were not willing to come in i have two daughters and they were not interested they wanted to do something on their own something different and more using new technologies disruptive technologies so they were not keen on what i was doing so there was no point just my carrying on like that and i thought let me do more things in life life is short may as well do some more things you know why do i only have to chase doing same thing rest of my life yeah yeah so that's how i planned and it's all right let me exit in that case but in india that's a difficult decision generally families are very unwilling to exit family business because that is their main source of uh, identity yeah it it the the sense of identity comes from what you do what you are what your brand is and therefore yeah. i guess it is difficult to let so go so there is over association with the business you with run rather than who you are absolutely and therefore yeah. you know what you're saying does resonate with me that if the family business is just one part of the family office then it does allow a lot of flexibility to the family members themselves so I, to I will, do a variety of things exactly. and, and gives create, you that freedom create more businesses create more employment and even for the founder who set up the business once exit so when i exited hexaware this vacuum in my mind and i had under i had thought about it and i said that look i want to experience this nothingness that yes i would be doing nothing mentally suddenly the vacuum and i want to experience that i think it's a luxury and i enjoyed that spirit of nothingness that why do i even have to go for a meditation to himalaya i was in a meditative state <laughs> because well then said. there is nothing in the mind going on anymore yeah. which was going on every day yeah. so i think it's 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 a space that you create for yourself and that space will generate new ideas and new things in in your life right and it will help family and children it it definitely will uh you've spent a lot of time uh working not only with the indian uh fraternity the startup and the entrepreneur community but also worldwide 
Is there anything that the Indian patriarchs especially can learn from their non-Indian counterparts, which is going to help not only them, but their families and their successors as well? I think uh, scaling up. I've seen the Western countries, once uh, a startup takes off, the scaling up happens very well, pretty fast and very well. In our case, the scaling up becomes a big challenge in India. Startup succeeds, it reaches a point, and then it slows down. Some do scale up, of course. You've seen the Flipkart example and Ola and some examples, but they're limited. So I think scaling up is what we need to learn from the Western countries. How to scale up big way. And also maybe how to let go and how to give back to uh, society. This is something that uh, family offices typically and foundations uh, help the, uh, the, the family business owners do. We've heard of Warren Buffett. We've heard of uh, Bill and Melinda Gates. We've heard of a lot of people who have made their wealth and are using their family office and foundations to give back to the society. Uh, India typically has had a history of charity and giving back. How can, how can the family office in India actually help the Indian uh, patriarchs and families to give back to society? I think um, that is changing in India. The family offices themselves contribute certain percentage of income towards uh, giving back in terms of uh, philanthropy. Sometimes even investing in startups is also a way of giving back to society because you are encouraging entrepreneurship. We all know that there is risk when you invest in a startup. Some startups, in spite of all efforts, will not succeed and money will not, not give you any return, you won't get back capital. It's also a way of giving back to society or encouraging entrepreneurship. Family offices have been involved, plenty of family offices with hospitals, with schools, with various other projects and contributing even when they don't have the compulsion of 2% of uh, by law. Just as a corporate has. Right. So I think they've gone way beyond that and today the uh, good projects are NGOs are able to raise funds from family offices. Family offices are helping them raise more funds from others. I think that that is a big change happening in India today. And the one change that you talk about, uh, you know, in your various interactions with communities and the, uh, the, uh, the media is that unlike the West, we don't have these billion dollar uh, family offices. Uh, when do you see that happening in India? Well, we have billion dollar offices, but very few. I mean, very few of them really run at that uh, scale. I would say more than the amount, uh, even if one has much lesser amount of money, one should set up family office, hire two professionals, give them the right uh, objectives, budget, ask them to choose good investments, whether mutual funds or uh, portfolio management schemes or direct equity uh, options, startups. I think that uh, more than the scale, uh, it's the 
uh, early start because the power of compounding don't ignore. You know, the sooner you start, the better off you are. Right. The income on income on income will make more, much more right. difference than anything. So I think sooner one starts better. Billion dollar family offices are there. And I think they will also keep increasing. They Very much uh, they will keep increasing. So you've been called a serial entrepreneur. Um, what after being a serial entrepreneur? See, I've been an entrepreneur from my childhood. When I was in school in fourth or fifth grade, and I used to go to Vapi, my maternal grandfather's place. And he one fine day asked me to go to the Vapi station and sell chikus. Chikus, huh? Yes. So <laughs> I was given baskets of chikus. I had to sit outside the station in the market and actually sell chikus. I was given the target as to you have to bring at least this much money. And, and then it was left to why me. Why did he do that? So the idea was to make me into a businessman. I see. So it was just, I was hardly in fourth or fifth grade and I started going to the station and, and they were quite well off. So it's not that it was needed, but the idea was to train me into the art of selling, understanding what is money, what is the money I want to make, then how do I get more or less or then how. So that was the first exposure to business. Then when I was in college, we had a family shop. And during holidays, Diwali days, when friends used to go on exotic holidays, I would be going and sitting at the store and working and selling garments and saris. So since then, I became a business person and my mind worked only in that direction that, look, how do I set up this or how do I set up that? So every day ideas come to my mind. Every business I read about, I then think, is it worth for me to set up or not? So, yes, and I don't think I will cease to be an entrepreneur. So, I would always remain an entrepreneur. So, you you got your lessons in selling by selling chikus <coughs> at a railway station. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How did your daughters get their lesson? So, well, daughters were uh, more protected. They didn't sell chikus? They were more protected. And uh, with this uh, whole thinking that focus has to be a lot more on education. And then, of course, they went to the US to study and one did MBA from Harvard, one did MBA from Wharton. So then the whole thinking changed to making them uh, study first well and then decide whether they want to do business or not. We left it to them. It so happened that they both got into entrepreneurship. That's a different thing. But we were not wanting it compulsory. That We wanted them to be happy. That okay, if they work in a company, that's fine too. I mean... I've often envied my corporate executives, you know, I thought they, they lived the grass a, was always greener on they the lived other a side, better quality right? life than me. You know, I was working seven days a week and I was not taking holiday for years. And I see the corporate executives enjoying a lot more, be happy. They, they, they are having so many vacations, less stress. Yeah. So I thought if they want to do that also <laughs> is not bad. I mean, why does it have to be only running business? Right. So we wanted to give them a choice, but they've chosen again to to really be, be in business. Yeah. So you are actually then surrounded by three entrepreneurial ladies. Yes. Yes. Yeah? 
So, and that itself is uh, uh, is not usual in the normal uh, family business environment. Yes. Uh, do you just want to spend two minutes talking about, uh, you know, women in, in business, women as entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think uh, women make would make fantastic business people because they... I think they are more practical. Living with three business women, I don't think you can afford <laughs> to say anything option. <laughs> other than that. That's true, that's true. But I think they get more down to earth. I mean, I think uh, they get more practical, more down to earth compared to person like me who starts dreaming more and uh, then execute things. So... I think there is an increasing number of young uh, females who are well qualified and who want to set up their own business. So today in the startup community, I would think uh, there is a sizable percentage of females who have come forward to set up their venture and uh, growing uh, that. I think there won't be any difference between... uh, uh, boys and girls in terms of success. It will depend on the individual factor rather than the factor of whether one is a uh, boy or a girl. Well, more power to that. Yeah, very and, much, very uh, much, I think. On uh, that note, thank you, Atul, uh, for speaking uh, with us. Enjoyed my conversation. Thanks, Sonu. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. The Inheritors Podcast Series by Bloomberg Quint. Advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc, etc. It's all content and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now, but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content, and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch, and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. Advertising is Dead.